Father, we come before you this morning and we're so thankful that we do have the answer. We do have a banner to rally round. We do have a truth that is worth living for in these last days. We ask now that you would help us as we study your word, as it is preached, that your truths will be brought forth. And Lord, we pray that your word would change hearts and lives in this service right here this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. To the Children's and Toddlers Church, the rest of us, let's turn to Isaiah chapter 12. And uh, I don't often do this, but just felt impressed this morning to take just one verse and then kind of go through the Bible and, and try to illustrate that verse and and give the biblical commentary on that verse sometimes as we're reading through, especially books like Isaiah, if you would turn to Isaiah chapter 12, uh, Isaiah chapter 12, and uh, uh, many times people will, oh boy, my Bible reading, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, uh, and all of those other fellows I can't pronounce, and yet there are so many wonderful things uh, God put these books in here for uh, a, a, a purpose and a direction. If you'll start in Isaiah chapter 1, and we certainly don't have time to do a complete exposition of the book of Isaiah this morning, or even an outline of the book. But God starts with facing Israel with their sin, and, and He gives them and pleads with them that they would come to Him and find that forgiveness that only God can give. And we get through Isaiah chapter 6 where Isaiah sees a vision of God Himself sitting upon the throne, the mercy seat in the temple. And Isaiah is sent to the people in which he lives to give them a message that they will not hear. That's not an encouraging portion, and yet all through the book of Isaiah is God's judgment, but His redemption. And we get to chapter 11, and and we're told of the coming millennial kingdom when Jesus, the son of David, shall rule the world from the city of David, and there will be peace on earth. The only time. Since Cain killed Abel, will there be peace on earth? Is when Jesus sits upon the throne of his father David. And uh, I'll tell you what, we, we need to be praying for those days. In Psalm 12, it, I mean, Psalm, I'm sorry, uh, chapter 12 is a psalm, is a song of praise, kind of ending this section uh, of the book of Isaiah. And I just want us to look in on one verse, verse 3. Therefore with joy shall ye draw waters out of the wells of salvation. Therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Now, Psalms and, and poetry are, are there to paint word pictures for us that 
are, are difficult to do in any other form. And, and this picture here is God's redemption. We read verse 1, And in that day thou shalt say, O Lord, I will praise thee, though thou wast angry with me. Thine anger is turned away, and thou comfortest me. Behold, God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid, for the Lord Jehovah is my strength and my song. He also is become my salvation. Therefore, with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Turn with me, if you would. Keep a finger there or a bookmark or something in Isaiah 12. We'll be coming back to that. But let's go to John chapter 4 where Jesus is speaking and he is using this same illustration, this same word picture here to talk about salvation as if you were drawing water out of a well. Now, most of us living in New York City probably are not too familiar with a well. Actually, if you live in Jamaica and and, uh, that eastern part of Queens, uh, they have their own water supply. Uh, There is a well out there. Now, could you imagine a well that supplies somewhere between a quarter and a third of Queens County with drinking water every day? Now, that is a well. Wouldn't you agree with that? And, of course, probably the most famous well is Jacob's well, which is the story here. And and as Jesus sat at Jacob's well, it had been giving water to people well over 1,200 years when Jesus sat there. And yet today, nearly 2,000 years after the time of Jesus, I am told that you could still go to Jacob's well and it is still a source of water in that area. Isn't that an amazing thing? A real, a a good well, a a well-dug well, a a well-supplied well is basically as... As far as the human mind is concerned, is a limitless supply of water. Now, out in the desert, uh, that is the difference between life and death. But could I challenge you? If all of a sudden that well were to dry up that supplies the Jamaica water supply... We'd be in trouble, wouldn't we? I mean, there would be some emergency measures that would have to be brought into being very quickly and, and some measures there because we need water. Now, my favorite way to drink water is coffee. Amen? Uh, they tell us that you, you need to uh, drink so much water. And, well, I mean, if I count coffee, I usually do pretty well. But uh, if it's just water, uh, that's a little rough. But listen, we go to John chapter 4, and we have the story of one that we have been 
over many times. In verse 6, it says, Now Jacob's well was there. Jesus, therefore, being wearied with his journey, sat thus on the well. It was about the sixth hour. So it's about noon. Uh, And Jesus sits on the well there. And this woman of Samaria walks up for the disciples. Verse 8, We're gone away unto the city to buy meat. Then saith the woman of Samaria unto unto him, How is it that thou, being a Jew, askest drink of me, which am a woman of Samaria? For the Jews have no dealings with Samaritans. Now, this was very well known. The Samaritans take their heritage back to the mixed people that lived in the land of Israel after Assyria, uh, the king of Assyria, Sennacherib, and had carried off the ten northern tribes of Israel. And uh, there is much speculation and things on who the ten northern tribes, if you listen to Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon, it's the American Indians. Uh, the only problem is the American Indians trace their heritage back Uh, both uh, genetically and historically and in every honest way, to the Mongolians. Uh, The American Indians uh, are related to the Mongolian people. They came across through Alaska. and, And so the Book of Mormon is completely fraudulent on that point. Now, if you listen to uh, Herbert W. Armstrong, if anybody remembers him, he's the uh, uh, rather unintelligent man that would sit on a, uh, in front of a TV camera and pick up a phone and go, Hello, God! Uh, blasphemous in every way. He said that the Northern Europeans uh, were the ten lost tribes. And, of course... He's almost as misguided as Joseph Smith in the Book of Mormon. Uh, none of those things are true. The, the ten lost tribes mixed in with the peoples of the areas that they were taken to. And those that were left in the land intermarried with the people that uh, the king of Assyria had moved in. And they brought a priest to teach them the ways of God. And the Bible in Chronicles gives us this commentary. So they worshiped the Lord and their own gods. Those were the Samaritans. When Zerubbabel and Shethiel came back to rebuild the temple in Jerusalem. The Samaritans showed up and said, We've been serving your God for 70 years and we'll serve him. And they had to draw the line and said, No, you have not served the God of the Bible. You've served a mixed religion of your own making. We will have no part of that. You either must be all for God or none for God. Well, that started a rift and and animosity that had been passed on from generation to generation to in Jesus' day, they wouldn't even talk to a Samaritan. I don't know if you've ever been uh, treated that way by another person. You look over and you say, Hello, Could you help me get directions? And they just keep looking straight ahead like you don't even exist. 
That still happens in certain neighborhoods of this city. And that prejudice that was there was, was there and this woman was shocked because Jesus just simply asked for a drink of water. Now, Jesus had something else in mind, did he not? In fact, we read through this story and we don't know if he ever got that drink of water. I'm sure he eventually did. But in verse 10, Jesus answered and said unto her, If thou knewest the gift of God and who it is that saith to thee, Give me to drink, thou wouldest have asked of him, and he would have given thee living water. The woman saith unto him, Sir, thou hast nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. From whence hast thou that living water? Art thou greater than our father Jacob, which gave us the well, and drank thereof himself, and his children, and his cattle? Jesus answered and said unto her, Whosoever drinketh of this water shall thirst again. But whosoever drinketh of the water that I shall give him shall never thirst. But the water that I shall give him shall be in him a well of water springing up into everlasting life. The woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. Now, Jesus was painting a word picture. Being the author of all Scripture through the Holy Spirit of God, being the living word, Our Bible being the written word, I can't help but think that Jesus was not thinking of Isaiah chapter 12 as he was talking to this woman about drawing from the well that would give you everlasting water, everlasting life. The the well that would satisfy your need for salvation forever, the well of living water. You know, I am so glad today. I I think of the specials that were sung. There's never been a promise that God hasn't kept. I like that song. And, uh, of course, that standard song now, I don't... uh, I know who holds my hand. I don't know what tomorrow holds, but I know who holds tomorrow. Amen. And we think of these things that the message of this book is whosoever will. Isn't that a wonderful thought? We we live in a world full of marketing. And uh, there's been more than one preacher over the years that uh, has approached me and said, you, you need to understand, uh, you don't do a very good job of marketing. And uh, my, my point has always been, I didn't realize I was selling anything. Now, some churches, everything's for sale. Some of you used to go to those churches. And and you everything had a price tag on it. And as long as you're willing to pay the price, you can get anything you want. Jesus isn't for sale. And we do not present him in a way that will be more meaningful to one group of people than another group of people. 
Uh, I've had people say, well, I, I believe in targeted evangelism. I do too. Whosoever will. Amen. Uh, that's the bullseye. And uh, we're going to try to hit it any time that God allows us to. The, the Scripture saith, Whosoever believeth on him shall not be ashamed. For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. And could we just bash the Calvinist one more time? Whosoever is not the elect. That is just the figment of your own perverted imagination. We have a message for God so loved the world. Amen? How many of you have been to that well? And you've drawn that living water just like the woman here, a Samaritan. And as we read on and find out a little bit more about this woman, she would not make the uh, uh, one of those uh, uh, invited guest lists that you would have. That Her name would have been uh, normally, conveniently left off because of her past and her character and her reputation. I, I mean... Uh, Unless you're talking about Hollywood, five husbands is is a pretty good number. And then living with another one, that, that doesn't say much good about the character of this woman, does it? And many have commented as you read in the things that that's the reason she came to the well at noon was because she didn't want to run into anybody. She wanted to just... Uh, not be persecuted or looked at or sneered at by anyone. So she came when no one would be there. The only problem was Jesus was waiting for her. And we come down here to verse 28. And the woman then left her water pot and went her way into the city and saith to the men, Come see a man which told me all the things that ever I did. Is not this the Christ? Then they went out of the city and came unto him. And uh, we'll come down here to verse 39. And many of the Samaritans of that city believed on him for the saying of the woman which testify, he told me all that ever I did. Verse 41, and many more believed because of his own word and said unto the woman, now we believe not because of thy saying, For we have heard him ourselves and know that this is indeed the Christ, the Savior of the world. A well, a limitless supply, but only one drink from this well is good enough to carry you through all eternity. Amen? And this morning, could we not just stop? We sang that song. It is well with my soul. Most of us know the story of the bereaved father who was standing over the watery grave in the deep Atlantic of his own children. As he wrote those words, it is well with my soul. Yet, could I challenge you? 
If you're here today in this auditorium and you do not have the issue of your salvation settled, I'm not concerned about how you feel. I want you to understand it is not well with your soul. It can only be well with your soul if you will stop at the well of salvation and draw what only God can give you to secure your eternal soul. This woman was a great sinner. In fact, she could not draw from that well until the issue of her sin was dealt with. And that's why when we get down here to verse 16, verse 15, this woman saith unto him, Sir, give me this water that I thirst not, neither come hither to draw. She says, I want that. And Jesus says, okay, we got a problem. Settle first. Go call thy husband and come hither. Now, did she need her husband there to be saved? Absolutely not. But that was the root of her sin problem, now wasn't it? Jesus always knows where to go to find the root of the problem. He he doesn't play around. He knew that this woman had had an immoral life from beginning to end. And so, he opened that door and gave her an opportunity to explain to God about her sin. And you know what she said? I have no husband. She was being honest. But she was trying to cover herself. How many people are going to miss heaven because they've tried to cover their own sin? Jesus throws the door wide open and lets the light in on the darkest of her secrets. He said, you've had five husbands and the one you have now isn't your husband. And what was her answer? Sir, I, I perceive. Uh, I think uh, I, uh, you, there's something about you. I, I perceive that thou art a prophet. Uh, You have to have some way of knowing things. And certainly Jesus is a prophet, but much greater than a prophet. He was the very God before whom no sin can be hidden. He is the one that was going to pay the price for every one of those sins on Calvary's cross. He knew all about every one of her sins. You know, God knows about your sins. How many people are going to miss heaven because they try to make themselves presentable to a God who already knows every sin you've ever sinned and ever will sin. He knows every thought, every intent of your heart. There is nothing hidden from God. But unless you openly bring your sin to God and admit that sin, He will not save you. You know what this woman was actually saying when she went into town and said, He told me all that ever I did? I love the way my pastor reworded that. He says, He knows everything about me, but He still loves me. That was the message, was it not? Now let me ask you a question. 
Do you remember when you went to that well and drew up the water of salvation, the living water, when you confessed your sins and trusted only in the finished work of Jesus Christ to save you? How many of you remember the joy of that day? The relief of knowing that your sins are forgiven and heaven is your home. And that brings us to the next point here. You see, God forgives all my sins. He forgives all of my sins against God. If that were the only thing you had to be concerned about, that would still be a crushing load, would it not? But could I challenge you today? God also forgives everybody's sins against you. When you accept God's forgiveness for your own sins, you also accept God's forgiveness for others' sins against you. That's why Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount said that, But if ye forgive not men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. There's a connection there. If we could put this in some type of serum that would make you let go of the evil things that you're harboring in your life, other people have done against you. I dare say we could empty the psychiatric wards of this city. How many people are trapped in feeling guilty for something that was someone else's fault? Someone else perpetrated it against them, and yet they feel guilty. How many people take that anger and that resentment because they can't do anything about what has been done to them, and it eats them up from the inside out like a cancer? Let me tell you, that water is the living water that gives you salvation. But you get to go back. If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. I try to say this as often as, as I can. What you do to get saved is what is how you live for God. You drew water from that well and God saved you just like the woman here at the well in the, uh, Jacob's well in Samaria. You may not have been quote unquote as bad a sinner but you don't need to be a bad sinner to go to hell. You just need to be a sinner my friend. One is enough. Do you remember the joy when you finally trusted in Jesus? Well, sometimes we get a little discouraged and a little down. Sometimes the devil loves to sit on our shoulders and remind us of things that we have done. Sometimes it's not so far in the past. Sometimes it's present tense and... 
One of the devil's favorite tricks is to say, well, how can you be a Christian and do that? The Bible says, there hath no temptation taken you, but such as is, what's the next word? Common to man. But God will with the temptation make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. God's not going to allow you to be tempted above that you're able. But you will. And we need to come back to the well. Not thanking God for our sin. There are people that try that. But thanking God for His forgiveness. Amen? How many of you have ever had something happen in your life that you just totally don't understand? It just doesn't make a bit of sense. You... What do you do with that? I met a guy one time said, If I don't understand it, I don't believe in it. I said, uh, Would you mind explaining to me what light is? And he said, Well, it comes from a light bulb. I said, Well, yeah, but that's not what light is. I said, No. One person, no, not the sum total of all mankind can define light. Because light is part of the, the visible light is the visible part of the spectrum of electromagnetic radiation. We can, we can see that. The, the molecules excite in the filament and we see that light emanate from the light bulb. Or when you light a candle, the burning uh, there gives you light. But I am so glad that that's not the same kind of light our Navy uses when it burns a hole in an engine block of a ship at 300 yards. Uh, That would be a very terrible thing. All of us would be immediately blinded. We couldn't see anything. Uh, You can cut through inches of Tempered steel with a laser beam. Nothing more than light. And by the way, lightsabers don't exist. Only in the movies. But I'll tell you this. We can do more with a laser beam than those imaginary people with imaginary things in an imaginary place in an imaginary movie. If you haven't figured it out, I don't like Star Wars. You see, the basic plot of Star Wars is good needs evil. And that's the antithesis of your Bible. Good does not need evil and evil does not need good. It's a choice you must make. And if you'll come to that well and choose to believe on the Lord Jesus Christ... He'll let you. That's what believing on the Lord is. Amen? He lets you pull the rope up and drink from the cup that gives you eternal life. Amen? But there are things we don't understand. There are things that happen to us that we can't explain. Uh, I, uh, I challenge you, read through the book of Job. There is no explanation given for Job's suffering except this. 
Let God be God. Now, if I ask you a question, can you let God be God? Oh, absolutely. I don't think you'd be in church this morning if that was a real question in your life. But how many of you have had something really bad happen in the past few weeks? Hello? Some of us have, haven't we? Uh, Can you still let God be God? See, here's what Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 4. He says, Wherefore, let them that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to Him in well-doing as unto a faithful Creator. It says, commit yourself unto God. He is the keeper of the soul. How do we commit ourselves unto God? In well-doing. Do you know what you do when circumstances go against you? You keep doing what you were doing to serve God before. Amen? How many of you were in this church before 9-11? And many of you will remember. Things didn't change much around here. I had preachers asking me, what's different? And at first it was almost apologetic. I'd say, well, uh, really, our attendance hasn't gone up um, You know, we don't have people knocking down the doors here to get in. Now, over at St. Pat's, they're going crazy over there. I mean, they pack the place out every service since 9-11. I don't know if it's still that way or not, but uh, uh, there was certainly an increase. You know what? The people who were attending this church were already doing the right things. And we didn't need to change anything. Because we were going to commit ourselves unto Him to keep our souls in doing right. In still doing the very same things. And so we get to go back to that well. When I do not understand, and I get to bring up, and, and, and I get to quench the, the confusion that is in my soul and the bewilderment with that same water that saved me. No, I'm already saved. I'm not getting saved again. I've been saved. But I get to stop by that well of salvation and take another drink. I've referenced this sermon many times. There's an old-time preacher. He's with the Lord now. and Well, he just had a way of preaching salvation. You almost wish you could have been a Pentecostal, lose your salvation just so you get saved again. And, and, I mean, he just made that such a wonderful thing and it was like, wait a minute, what's wrong with this picture? The joy of my salvation is supposed to last me for all eternity, is it not? Well, that's what this verse is talking about. You see, I get to stop back by that same well. Not to get my salvation, I have it. But when the devil bothers me about sin, that I've already confessed to the Lord, 
I'm going to get another drink. When I'm confused and when I'm bewildered, I'll just stop by the well and take another drink. You see, let's go to Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6, and if you're familiar with your Bible, this is the chapter that's talking about the armor of God. And you probably already know where we're going here. But in verse 17, it says that above all, I mean, sorry, it's verse 17, and take the helmet of salvation. Now, we've spent a lot of time on the helmet of salvation when we've gone through the armor of God and and maybe it's time that we might should do that again just to help people understand the helmet of salvation here is not being saved. Because getting saved has to happen before you can take the whole armor of God. The armor of God does not apply to a person that has not been saved. But what does a helmet do? It protects your head. I mean, Andrew found out the hard way. Hard hats do serve a purpose. Ended up with what? Four or five staples? Uh, Because, well, anyway, we won't go into details. Somebody did something wrong and he didn't have a hat on and moved the ladder and... A tool fell and hit him on top of the head. Now, if he'd had his hard hat on, you know what would have happened? Wow, that was dumb. I'm not going to leave anything on the ladder again. But because the hard hat wasn't on, uh, that was dumb. Let's go to the emergency care center and get stapled back up. Uh, Which isn't a pleasant place to go or something to happen. But how often do we get in trouble? Because we're not wearing what God has given us to protect us. You know, the battle that is being fought today is for the mind. That's why these wicked, perverse people want to teach your kindergartners that Heather has two mommies and all of that garbage and filth. You see, you cannot come to those conclusions naturally. In fact, if someone gives you that information, your first response is to reject it. So what do the communists and the socialists and and the mind uh, uh, numbers want to do? They've got to start when you're a little child and not even aware of the process and keep repeating the lies over and over. That's the only way you could believe that you came from a monkey. It's the only way that you could ever accept evolution. You cannot accept evolution on the facts. Evolution is a statistical impossibility. If you were to take every ounce of matter in every atom of matter in the entire universe and put it into a reaction with every other atom and take all the time 
that mankind has ever dreamed that this universe would be 13 and a half billion light years across and, and a time period that spans over 5 billion years, you still couldn't by accident, by chance, produce the first step of an assembly of an RNA molecule of which there are many that make up the DNA, of which there are many that make up one cell, let alone the 10 trillion cells that exist in the human body and function in perfect order, cannot happen. You see... That helmet of salvation protects my mind. If you're trying to be good enough to please God, I just have one question I want to torment you with. How good is good? How many good things do you have to do to take care of the one bad thing that you did? You can't answer those questions. Because God does not answer them in the book. The answer is to go to the well of salvation. And draw upon the finished work of Jesus Christ. Can we say amen to that? And that helmet of salvation... We've just finished the book of Philippians, maybe... Brother Michael will be preaching tonight, and Andrew will be preaching Thursday night. But it's the peace of God that passes all understanding that will keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen? Ask a question, how many could use a little more peace? Every hand would go up. Well, here's how you get it. Would you mind just stopping back by the well of salvation and letting that cup down for another draught? Oh, no, I am saved. That's not why I'm drinking. You see, that water of salvation isn't just to save me. It's to give me joy each and every day. It's to keep my heart and my mind. You see, a helmet's no good unless you put it on. But we know this, a helmet that doesn't fit well, that's not fitted, gives you no protection whatsoever. Every once in a while you'll see one of them bike riders going down and they're going to have one of those big old steel army helmets on. You know how much protection they have? Uh, Actually, they're, they're not protecting themselves at all. They're endangering themselves. Those things need to be fitted. There there needs to be contact there to keep the concussion from passing into the bone and through your flesh. And, And there's all kinds of things that are built into those helmets that move the forces away from hurting you. But you wear a helmet that's not fitted. It's not not working 
You're actually endangering yourself by putting on the helmet. You say, well, how do I know how the helmet fits? Well, you've got to get into the Word, my friend. You've got to understand that God did not save you to sin. He saved you from sin. Amen? And when people sin against you, I go back to that same God and I give Him those same sins just the way I did the ones that... Then I sinned against God and He takes them all away. And when I'm just confused and I don't know which way to go. Who's the author of confusion, by the way? It's not God. You know, they, they tell, if you read books on how to live in the wilderness or survive should you be injured, you know what the first thing every book says? When it finally begins to dawn on you that you might be lost, stop. One man said, I always just stop and build a fire. I don't care how hot it is, what time of the day it is. He said that stopping and building a fire makes my mind collect itself again and gets my thoughts in order so I can begin to think rationally how to get out of this problem. Well, God doesn't want you to stop and build a fire. He wants you to, with joy, draw water out of the wells of salvation once again and just take another drink. Not because you need more salvation, but because what God did in saving you is what God will do in keeping you. Amen? But we got one more place to stop. Let's go to 1 Thessalonians chapter 4. And let's just read verses 13 through 18 of 1 Thessalonians 4. It says, But I would not have you to be ignorant, brethren, concerning them which are asleep or dead, that ye sorrow not, even as others which have no hope. For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so them also which sleep in Jesus will God bring with him. For this we say unto you by the word of the Lord, that we which are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord shall not prevent them which are asleep. For the Lord himself shall descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, and with the trump of God, and the dead in Christ shall rise first. Then we which are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. So shall we ever be. With the Lord. Now, verse 18. Can you read that out loud with me? Let's try it right here. We go. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. Let's do that one more time. Here we go. Wherefore, comfort one another with these words. There's comfort. Because you see, it's that same well where I got saved that the promise of Jesus' return is there. The rapture. He's coming back. 
I like what the one preacher said. He said, I'm not looking for the undertaker. I'm looking for the upper taker. Amen. Uh, I can't wait till Jesus comes back. It could be today. There, People talk about the signs of the times. Let me tell you something. Paul said, we. There's no signs that need to be fulfilled. The rapture could happen today. And if that scares the living daylights out of you, then you need to get to the well of salvation and take a drink and get saved. Amen? And you need to remember, because that's one of the great comforts that we have, is knowing that Jesus is coming back. Amen? If you have to deal with some terrible thing, you know what? One of the easiest ways to deal with it I think of a woman going through childbirth. Rachel just gave birth this week to a little boy. You know what makes mama able to endure all that pain and suffering? It's not going to be forever. It's only going to be for a little while. Then you're going to get to hold that little one that you've been holding for all those months, mom. It's a wonderful thing, is it not? But you know something? This life is going to be but a blink of an eye compared to eternity, is it not? We need to remind ourselves that Jesus is coming back. It's just another sip of that water from the well that will cool and refresh us and keep us in the way. If you go back to Isaiah chapter 12 and, and look at verse 11, uh, chapter 11... In verse 5 it says, In righteousness shall be the girdle of his loins, and faithfulness the girdle of his reign. The wolf also shall dwell with the lamb, and the leopard shall lie down with the kid, and the calf with the young lion, and the fatling together, and a little child shall lead them. And the cow and the bear shall feed, and their young ones shall lie down together, and the lion shall eat straw like the ox. And the suckling child shall play on the hole of the asp, and the weaned child shall put his hand on the cockatrice den. Those are talking about some of the most poisonous snakes on the face of this earth. Nothing to worry about in that kingdom. Sometimes I get so frustrated with all the corruption and the wickedness that is in even our own government today. Things didn't used to be that way. There was a time when corruption was a little sidelined. Now, it's big business. It's what government is about. And they're not going to vote themselves out of existence. You can... Guarantee that's the only thing they won't vote out of existence. But I'll tell you what. There's coming a time when the King of Kings is going to rule this world from the city of peace. There will be no corruption in that government. Amen. And in fact, his peace is going to be so great that the lion will stop eating the lamb and they'll lay down together. Wow. Then I'm going to find me a big one and pet it. 
How about you? It'll be safe in that day. Just another sip from the well, my friend. And the promise of eternity with Christ. It says, so shall we ever be with the Lord. If I were to ask a raise of hands, I believe most every hand would go up. We've had something discouraging or frustrating Something that has led us from the paths that that we should walk in. Something that has dampened our joy that we should live in. I would pray that there'd be no one wandering the barren wasteland of forgiven sins. You know, that's a place where only the devil dwells. God says He separated our transgressions from us as far as the east is from the west. But if you ever want to remember every evil thing you've ever done, the devil's going to be right there to help you. You know what the cure is? Stop by that well of salvation and that same water that saved you will remind you that Jesus paid for every sin. Amen? When we struggle with what people have done to us, we'll just... Stop by the well and get another drink. Amen? When we don't understand. When our mind is troubled. When our heart is concerned. And when it's moved in a direction that is untoward trusting in God. We stop back by the well of salvation. It says, with joy. It says, therefore with joy shall ye draw water out of the wells of salvation. Wells is plural there. Because God has them all along the path of life. You don't get saved over and over again. But the joy of your salvation is what will take you through each trial and each trouble. And we have those promises of Jesus' return, of His coming kingdom, and of an eternity with Christ in heaven. Are you saved today? Say amen. Amen. How many say, preacher, I think I need to stop by for another drink. That's what the invitation is about today. To take those things that trouble us and discourage us and keep us out of the way. Hinder us in our joy that God has given us for salvation. What we need. Just another cup of water from that same well. No, I'm saved. I'm not going to be any more, any less saved than I was on August 28, 1977. I'm saved. But you know what? There sure is a lot of refreshment. There's been a lot of encouragement. There's been a lot of joy. Stopping by that same well for another drink. To be reminded of all the wonderful things that Jesus Christ has done. And all he asks is I surrender my life to him. Could we say amen to that? Let's pray.
Heavenly Father, we come before you this morning and we thank you that we can take this verse from the Old Testament and see it lived throughout the New Testament, even in our very lives here today. All we have to do is draw and drink. Lord, I pray for those that are just struggling with life and difficulties and discouragement. That, Lord, they would stop and with joy draw water from the wells of salvation. Lord, I pray that if there be anyone here today that has yet to settle the issue of their eternity, that they would take a moment here and stop. Draw up that cup from the well of salvation and simply believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Believe that it is finished and that He is the only payment for our sins, that they would put their faith in the resurrected Lord and be saved even this day. We ask you to work, Lord. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As Andrew comes and leads us in the hymn of invitation, if you need to come and pray, the altar's open. If you want someone to take the Bible and show you how to be saved, all you got to do is look up as you come down the aisle and we'll have someone take the Bible. As we sing, would you come?